allergic. It could have been you with no food. It could have been you in the hospital on a respirator. But God saw fit for you to be in this place that we call sanctuary just to open up our mouths and give God some praise. I thought I was at church. Good morning, new mission. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Lord, I thank you for waking me up. Lord, I thank you for starting me on my way. Lord, I thank you for letting me have the mobility of my limbs. Lord, I thank you for letting me have a little bit of gas in the car. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Come on. Can you help me thank our God? Come on. Can you help me praise our God? Come on. Can you help me celebrate our God? Come on. Lift up your voice. Open up your mouth and give God glory and give him praise in this place where my thankful folks are. God, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Listen, I thought I'd be more people thanking God. See, see, when you when you really think about where God brought you from, you it don't take a whole lot. You just gotta look back from where He brought you from and see all the mountains that he brought you over all the valleys that he allowed you to tunnel through and you just look and say thank you Lord thank you thank you Lord you kept me from danger seen and unseen Lord I thank you 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 Lord for protection thank you Lord for covering me. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me. Wait a minute, he kept your mind. Thank you, Lord. You should have went crazy, but thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You don't even got to look back over your life. Just look back just how you got here. Tractor trailers was coming. Thank you. Kept you from accidents. Thank you. Kept you all night long. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I just want to say, I ain't talking about you, I'm talking about me. I just want to say, thank you, Lord. Yeah, it's personal. God has been good to us. God has been good to us. They said about 600,000 people that died from COVID-19 and, and you're still, I said God has been good to us. And you ought to have a response of gratitude just telling the Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Been in a pandemic three years, but you, but God has kept, thank you. Yeah. 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 I don't know like you know, but you don't know like I know just how good God has been 
been to me. God has been good, good to me. I can't talk about you, but he's been so good to me. He's dried all of my tears away. Turned my midnights in the day. God has been good to me. Has he been good to you? I said, has he been good to me? Has he been good to you? Has God been good to you? Has he brought you out? Has he kept you? Has he kept your mind in perfect peace? All right. All right. He's been good. <laughs> Better than good. Beyond good. He's exceeded what good even is. God has just been God in all of our situations. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he has. All right. I wouldn't let it go. <laughs> yeah. So good to be home. So good to be here. So good to be in this sacred place we call sanctuary. To my dad. My pastor, my main man, Pastor Venice. It's so good to see you. God has been good to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been good. He's kept you. Glad that we're able to share this space again. It's just good to be here, be in the presence of New Mission. And good to see all of New Mission here today. Good to see some of the Church of Living God members out today. So glad that you came and worshiped with us. And it's good to be here. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Good to see you. <clears throat> this morning. Well, listen, I didn't preach already, so. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number four. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number four. When you get there, I want you to stand to your feet and say, I got it. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number four. Are we there? It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and for 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus said to him, not, not the script, no, the scripture says, People do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak 
of a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I will give all to you. He said, if you kneel before me and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. For the time that is ours to share together today, I want to preach, let's make a deal. Let's, let's make a deal. God, how we thank you for your power and your presence in this worship atmosphere. Father, we are pregnant with such great preaching possibility, and so God birth what you have discussed with me in private. Make it so clear that a blind Bartimaeus will be able to see it. Make it so clear that somebody who's deaf can understand it without us using sign language. Give us Christological clarity to illuminate this text. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's make a deal. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Let's, let's make a deal. Ladies and gentlemen, just like you, I watch daytime television. There's a show that comes on called Let's Make a Deal. And in this show, it's all of this, these monies and all of these prizes and cars and things that people can win. And you got to guess the number in which is there and find matching numbers in order to make the deal. What's unique about the show is that uh, the people who put the stuff inside the box and the host knows what number has the right this and the right that in there and while you're trying to get your situation together and you pick out your number, the host says, are you sure you want to do this? He says, are you sure you want to pick this box? Are you sure that this is the one you, you want to pick? And, and you, uh, the person that's in the show, is going back and forth, pacing, trying to figure out if this is the deal that you want to make. Because you realize that this deal can change your future. You realize that this deal can push you out of what you're in. You realize that this deal can give you monetary compensation. You realize that when I'm making this deal, I'm not just making it for me. I'm making it for the people that's connected to me. I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to make a deal. So you go back and forth, and I get involved in the TV show. I said, no, don't pick that one. Pick, pick 13. Pick pick 13. That's the number. Pick 7. That's the number of completion. I, I be shouting out numbers. Come on. We got to win this money. We got to make, we got to make a deal. But oftentimes, after you pick the number and the box is open and you see what you win, the host comes and says, listen, there's something greater behind this box. Do you want this box or do you want that box? And you can either keep what you have or you can go home, or go I mean, go, go big or go home. You can pick box number four, box number 11, but you're torn in between keeping what you have and getting something that's greater. The tragedy of going, uh, picking something else is that you don't know what's in the other box. It can be nothing in that box. 
nothing that you shall gain. I was watching one, and, and he, had, he had about $400,000. And he said, listen, in one of these boxes is about $4 million. You, you just got to pick the right one. He said, all right, I'm going big, uh, or I'm going home. And so he picked zero. He picked the box with zero in it. He lost $400,000 trying to gain $4 million. Now listen, I'm a smart gambler. If you give me 400,000, I ain't never had that before, so, so I'm, I'm going home. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Put this in the stock market, a little Bitcoin. I'm gonna make this work. Because I realized that $400,000 is greater than what's in my bank account. I realized that that $4 million may be nice, but I got to wager what I have versus something that may be or appear to be greater. In our text, we find a very interesting deal. We, we see Jesus being led into the wilderness, not by himself, but by the Spirit. Now, the word uh, spirit in the Greek translates to pneuma, which suggests that this is the pre-version of the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit or the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit didn't lead Jesus into the promised land. He led him into the wilderness. The wilderness, a desolate place. The wilderness, a dry place. The wilderness where there is no growth and no possibility. The wilderness where there aren't many people there wondering. The wilderness where there's no water flowing through there. The wilderness is desolate. But I discovered that this wilderness was not just a physical place. This wilderness was also a spiritual place. That he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Notice that the devil, uh, we like to put the devil in a bodysuit with horns, but the devil doesn't look like that. The devil is a fallen angel who became a demon who still embodies the characteristics and glory of an angel, but he uses it contrary for pop, contrary to what the angel works toward. He is a glory carrier. He's a beautiful being. He, he's a marvelous looking creature. And he shows up in the wilderness. This spiritual being shows up in the wilderness where Jesus is to tempt him. He's not in a body, but Jesus is split between the wilderness and the spiritual realm where he's able to see the devil and the wilderness in which he's in, and he's there being tempted by the devil. It's a very interesting picture because he's here in a very unusual state. Jesus is fasting, had been fasting for 40 days, and 40 nights. Uh, you, you know how significant the number 40 is in the Bible. You, you, you've been in church long enough to know that the number 40 is very significant. 
40 years Israel wandered the wilderness. Uh, 40 days and nights uh, did Moses fast. 40 uh, days and nights did Elijah not eat where he was hungry. 40 days uh, Jonah prophesied and Nineveh will be overthrown. You, you know the significance of the number 40. 40 uh, was the time where you spent with God, where you were developed and disciplined and talked to and walked through, where God used this number 40 to push you beyond where you were to get you to the place where you need to be. Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was starving. Jesus was in a very unusual space. And while he was fasting, while he was there, uh, the devil was tempting him. Now, I know there's some scholars in the room, so let me answer this question for you. Why was Jesus fasting? Jesus was fasting because prior to that, Jesus had been a carpenter for 30-something years. He, he had been a, a carpenter, and, and Jesus' first miracle uh, was when he was young, and he turned the water into wine. You remember that? But Jesus went off the scene. He told his mom, listen, my time has not yet come, but he made the wine happen because his mama said, this is what you got to do. He said, all right, mama, do this for you. But then he went off the scene with a gangster lean for a little bit. <laughs> Just want to make sure y'all's paying attention. <laughs> went off the scene for a little bit. While he was off of the scene, he was there being a carpenter. He was doing, uh, building things and working on things. So Jesus, right before, right after he got baptized in Matthew chapter three, uh, uh, John's baptism, the baptism of repentance, he was baptized. The spirit came and rested on him like a dove. The spirit led him to the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. Why did Jesus fast? Because Jesus had to align his his will with his father's will. You, you, you remember when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, listen, I don't really want to go uh, die for these people. Not for real, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus, in this moment, had to submit his will to his father's will so that his father's will could be done not just in Jesus' life, but in all of our lives. And notice, while Jesus is in the wilderness, the enemy comes while Jesus is at his weakest point, at his lowest moment, while he is hungry and starving and needing things to eat. He comes and tempts Jesus in the place, watch this, of his desire. Have you ever noticed uh, uh, the enemy doesn't come when things are going uh, well in your life, when you're not trying to fast and be holy and be sanctified and do all the things that you're trying to do. Uh, the enemy comes uh, when it is that you are in a place that is good, a place that's solid, a place that's stable. He comes and shows up to you in your weakest and lowest moment where you forgot about what God has done for you. The enemy shows up and says, listen, let me help you. Let me talk. 
Let me talk to you. Jesus is in his lowest moment. He's fasting, he's weak and fatigued, and the enemy comes to tempt him. And watch what he says. He says, if you are the son of God, let's stop right there. If you are the son of God, first of all, he challenged his sonship. He, 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 he was being strategic and predatory at the same time. He said, you, you, you claim to be the son of God and you got all this power and this and that. If, you, if you're really who you say you are, yeah, then, then this is what I, I want you to do. But, but I, want, I want to park there for a second because can't you hear the devil say, if you really are a Christian, if you really are a believer, if you really are who you say you are, then you should do this. But he says, listen, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. He said, if you are the son of God, I want you to make these stones become bread. Watch this, so that you won't be, so that you won't perish from not eating. <laughs> he, 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 he tempted him in his desire. Jesus had been fasting for how long? 40 days and for 40 nights. And he comes and he shows up in, the, in, this, in, this, in this scheme of distraction and, and detour and dilemma, trying to get Jesus off of his pur purpose and mission and vision so that he can corrupt what it is that God has called him to do. He shows up to tempt Jesus. And if the enemy will show up to tempt Jesus, don't you know he'll come and tempt you? And notice he doesn't just tempt Jesus in any kind of way. He tempts him with things that only Jesus can do. <laughs> this is good. Jesus, the, the enemy uh, tempts you in areas of your life that you're weakest in. Matter of fact, let me, let me show you. The enemy studies you. In Job, he, he wanders back and forth trying to figure out how he's going to get to Job. Because he understands that Job uh, is a true worshiper. He understands the life of Job. But if he ever got an edge on Job, then Job would do this and Job would do that. He studies him beyond the fence of protection that God has provided. And just like he studies Job, he studies you. He knows what you like. He knows who, who you like. He knows how you like it. He, he knows the insides and the outside. He, he knows because he sends his spies, his, his imps to look in and to watch you so that when the moment comes, he can tempt you and get you off course to get you off of your purpose. Your purpose is what you are doing or what you are called to do. Your mission is why you do it. 
And your vision is what God allowed you to see to make these things happen. He comes to attack your purpose, your mission, and your vision. Because if you could ever see yourself like God sees you, then you'll be a problem for the kingdom that, that and you'll be a problem for what God has or what God wants to do in the earth realm. And he knows that you getting to this place interferes with what he wants to do. You know his mission, don't you? His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, y'all been in church. Y'all been in church. That, that's, his, that's his mission. That's his, his goal. That's, that's what he wants to do. Go to the next verse. He, he, he comes, he says, but Jesus answered. Listen to what he says. But it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Notice Jesus combated him with the word of God. He responded using Deuteronomy 8 and 3. He, he responded and said, listen, you, you can live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, what he was teaching us is that all of what we eat cannot just be physical. It has to be spiritual food too. Jesus was eating on the word of God. Wait a minute, wait a minute, let me see. John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. The word was eating the word. Jesus, the word, <laughs> ate the word. He says, because I am what I eat and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna respond to you with the word. And just like Jesus responded to the devil with the word, so can you respond to the devil with the word. When the enemy comes up against you, all you got to do is raise up the standards and the promises and the principles of God and tell the enemy, this is who God says I am. I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious. I am I am who God says I am. I am the lender and not the borrower. I am above and not beneath. I am who God says I am. When spiritual attacks come in your life, all you got to do is stand on the word of God. Is there anybody here that says I'm standing, I'm standing, I'm standing on the word of God. Come hell or high water, I'm standing on the word of God. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm walking with the word. I'm standing on the word. I'm living out the word. I'm standing on the word. The word of God. Listen, I, Jesus passed the first test. Devil said, cool, all right. All right, you passed that one, flying colors. I'm going I'm, to I'm move on to the next test. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. He says, I'm move on uh, to the next test. He said, let me, let me take you <laughs> to the holy city. He said, 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 let me take you up to the high, to a high place. And he says, listen, what, what he says, throw yourself down from here. <laughs> if you throw yourself down from here, <laughs> it's written that angels will come and assist you and, and take care of you. 
He was, he was using, watch the enemy's strategy, he was using Psalms 119 on him. He was using the word on the word, but watch this, he was using the word out of context. You got to be careful of people who like to throw Bible scriptures at you, but use the word out of context. Because there's a whole lot of people in the barbershop and the beauty salon that be philosophizing and biblicizing and, and doing all of this kind of stuff in the name of the Lord, but they got the scripture out of context. Can, can I show you one of them, them scriptures that's out of context? You, you know how, how, how back in the day we tell young folk, it's better to marry than to burn. And you want them to get married and where they're not mature enough to handle the responsibility of marriage because you want, to, want them to prioritize their physical desires over their mental and psychological uh, desires so that they can be the person that God called them to be. You want to expedite them into marriage, but they have not matured yet. Woo. Yeah, I'm in the Baptist church. You know how, y'all, we used to sit them down on the front row when they got pregnant out of wedlock? Y'all remember that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? That was, that was back when we were colored, you know. <laughs> when we had them signs on the water fountain. And we used to try to, try to, try to manipulate and make people uh, conform to our religiosity. With, when you did the same thing, you just didn't get caught. So we took that scripture out of context. Uh, another one we take out of context is, is Usher. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. You'd rather for somebody wipe their feet on you because that's what that scripture is saying. David said, listen, I'd rather be that because I, I can't stand to be this. this was, that's out of context. But the enemy uses scriptures out of context to try to prove or try to get you off course. It's, 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 it's divination is what it is. He, he uses this spiritual tactic, this biblical principle to try to push you outside of where God wants you to be. But listen to how Jesus responded. He responded with Deuteronomy 6 and 16. You must not put the Lord your God to the test. Says, he said, we shouldn't test God like this. Why in the world would I throw myself down and then expect God to catch me? That doesn't make sense to me. Jesus was like, no, that ain't, that ain't going to work. So the devil said, listen, why I'm really here is that I want to make a deal with you. He says, I want to give you the kingdom's of this world. I want to give you all of, of what the world has to offer. Not only do I want to give you the kingdoms, but I want to give you the glory that's in them. So much so that when you walk through Rome, the Romans will bow at your feet. That Pilate himself will bow at your feet. I want to give you the kingdoms of this world. Jesus said, nah, nah, uh-uh, nah, I can't, I can't do that either. 
The enemy didn't understand that he was talking to the kings of kings. And that even though the king had not yet died on the cross, the king was in preparation to ascend into his throne. What the enemy was really trying to do is he was trying to abort the mission of Jesus Christ way before it ever started so that we would not have access to salvation and so that we would not have power and authority over him. He, in this, gives us his play. He gives us the context of his deal. And Jesus says, no, I can't do that. He said, listen, I give you all of this if you worship me. He wanted Jesus to assume the posture of worship. He says, I want you to fall down and I want you to worship me. He wanted Jesus to assume the posture of worship so that if he assumes the posture of worship, then we who are connected to him will also assume the posture of worship and will make the enemy a God and make Jesus less than. He was trying to mess us up. This isn't the first time he tried to do it. He, he, he did it when Moses died. You read that in Jude chapter 1, verse 9. It says they were arguing. The archangel Michael was arguing with the devil over the body of Moses. Enemy wanted to use Moses' body to get the, the children of Israel to make Moses of God so that they would worship Moses and stop worshiping God. He was after their worship. And in this season, the enemy is after our worship. He's after our worship because it is our worship that connects to God in a way that's deeper than our praise. It's our worship that's connected to, the, to a relationship in God. You know what the Bible says, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you ever start worshiping something else, then you take on the spirit in which that you're worshiping and you become like that and let like God. That's why God told the children of Israel, he said, listen, he said, listen, y'all, 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 uh, I'm making a covenant with y'all, but y'all can't worship other gods. First Kings chapter 17, 35 through 40 says, y'all can't worship other gods. He says, uh, you can't bow down to them and offer sacrifices, but you got to worship me, the one who brought you out of Israel. If the devil would bring Jesus to this point, if the devil would try to make a deal with Jesus, how many deals have the devil tried to make with you? How many deals have the devil thrown at you? How many deals have you made with the devil? Because oftentimes our desires are at the forefront and we miss out on being disciplined disciples because we want to get there quick and instant and instant gratification and we miss out on the process. We want a microwave religion. 
We, we want a microwave kind of God. We want to put it in and pop it out, and it happens, and God is concerned about taking us through the process because there's some things inside of us that need to develop and mature, and our minds need to catch up with what God has promised us so that we want to abort the mission and the plan that God has for us. And the enemy knows that if you ever get to the place that you need to get to, if you ever get to the place and see yourself, like God sees you, you have the ability to change and impact the kingdom, but it's connected to you understanding who you are and whose you are. Says, said, let's, let's make a deal. He said, I want you to, to fall down and worship me. What, what did Jesus say? Go to the next verse. He, he says, uh, Satan, get thee behind me. In other words, he says, I rebuke you, Satan, for it is written that thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and serve him only. He says, I'm a servant of God. You got to get out of here and get behind me. I guess what I've been trying to tell you this whole time is that you got kingdom authority to tell the devil to get behind you. <laughs> you got the power to rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. That every time the devil shows up, all you got to do is say, Satan, get thee behind me. You got to get behind me because I'm standing for God. But listen to this last verse. This is what blesses me. It says that after he said this, angels came and ministered to him. <laughs> Didn't say the praise team came. <laughs> but it said that the angels came. I remember the last time the angels came and ministered to somebody, Elijah uh, was getting ready to go on his 40-day journey, and they came and brought him some food. Uh, but this word in Greek is dual. Not only did they meet Jesus' human need, but they came and worshiped the true and living Savior. Let, let, me, let, me, let me see if I can... Help you. The devil used to be an angel. <laughs> and his old crew came and worshiped the person that he was trying to get off track. And they ministered to him. <laughs> and and, and the, devil wasn't, the devil was somewhere in the, on the sidelines watching. I can't stand Jesus. I can't stand him. Why y'all down here worshiping him? They, because they recognize that he's the one that's going to save the world. They recognize that he's the sinless savior. They recognize all of the power that exists inside of him. They recognize that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And I don't know what's been trying to make a deal with you, but all you got to do is just get Jesus on it and tell your problem. Jesus is going to show up and Jesus is going to show out. Yeah. Says, says let's, let's make a deal. So today I, I, I want to get out of here with this. Let's make a deal, New Mission. Let's, let's make a deal that if you start walking in your kingdom authority, if you start talking with kingdom authority, if you start rebuking the devil, if you start casting out the devil, 
If you start speaking life over your family and speaking life over your children and speaking life in your marriage and speaking life in your circumstances and speaking life at your job and, and recognizing the spirits that are at play and discerning the strategies that exist, let's, let's make a deal. I just believe your life will be better. I just believe our communities will be better. I just believe that lives will change because you recognize that your your power is not in you, but your power is in Jesus. Let's make a deal that today, from this day forward, you're going to walk out of here speaking and talking the goodness of God and celebrating God in the land of the living. Let's make a deal that you're going to walk being the head and not the tail. Let's make a deal that you're going to be above and not beneath. Let's make a deal that you can use the word to get you to where you got to go. Let's make a deal new mission that God is good and God is worthy to be praised. Let's make a deal that when I use the word of the Lord my life will change. I decree and declare that your life will be better when you understand how to move and shake and walk and command. God will help you get to where you need to be. So let's make a deal that we'll, 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 we'll make a pact together that we'll make sure that we stay interconnected with the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and that we won't take the enemy up on what he has to offer. But instead, we'll recognize why he's coming to us with these options to keep us, options to keep us from getting to where God wants us to be. New Mission, I, I pray that as we come out of this pandemic, if you watch it online, I pray that you will recognize why God had us here. God was hitting the reset button, resetting the way that we do things, resetting the way that we view things, resetting the way that we do church, resetting the way that we do life so that we will recognize him as the one true and living God. Would you stand to your feet? All over the room, would you stand? Maybe, maybe you're here today. You say, you know what, I, I need to get my life together. I haven't, I haven't accepted Christ as my personal savior, and the enemy keeps on trying to make a deal with me. Trying to give me the riches of this world in exchange for my soul. But let's make a deal. If you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, at this moment, you shall be saved. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, yeah, you know it, then you shall be safe. So if you're online, just type, I want to connect to uh, Christ. I want to connect to New Mission. If you're in the sanctuary, come and, and grab, the, grab the pew. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I want to uh, rededicate my life to Christ. You know, I, I, I've joined church, but I haven't joined Christ yet. I discovered there is a difference between joining church and joining Christ. See, when you join church, you join religion. 
When you join Christ, you join relationship. So maybe you 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 kind of torn and you want to get your relationship right. You can you can do that as well. All right, I'll leave it with you. Let us pray. God, how we thank you. We thank you for your word. It's your word that has brought us through many dangers, toils, and snares. It's your word that's pushed us, that's helped us, that's aided us in times of trouble. Lord, it's been you that when trouble presented itself, you hid us, you protected us, you, you covered us, and you, you never left us. And that even when we could not trace your presence, we could trace the promises of your word. Lord, you've been good to us. You've been great toward us. You've extended us new mercy and new grace. You have given us new mornings in the midst of our mourning. And you have brought us to see a brand new day. Lord, it's us and we just want to say thank you. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for never leaving us. Lord, I pray that there, uh, for those that are under the sound of my voice that are experiencing difficulty, financial difficulty, emotional difficulty, relational difficulty, those that are facing surgeries this week, those that are in the midst of the storm, Lord, I pray that you would show them the way out and the way through. Lord, I realize that that, that is you, that it's been you pulling us through. And so, Lord, remind those.